Hi, my name is Andrew Pontius. And I'm Wolf French. And this is Edge Cases, a podcast about often Apple related software development and spelling mnemonics. This is episode eight. We're recording on Saturday, July 7th, 2012. What's our topic today, Wolf? Limits to growth. Limits to growth, yes. So uh, a bit of pre-topic business for me. Uh, uh, let's see, f- near the, uh, I guess uh, maybe a day or two after the last episode, I tweeted from the Edge Cases Show Twitter account that there was a survey about our the microphone quality for my microphone. Um, and as of 2 p.m. today, uh, would you like to hear the results, Wolf? I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> they were all of two responses. Uh, <laughs> and uh, one of them said that episode seven, the one with the eyesight microphone, was the best. Uh, and the other one said, nah, they all sucked. Um, which was I, a, which I'm was inclined a... to believe the latter. Yeah. <laughs> hey, now. Um, so I've listened to uh, episode seven myself. And the, uh, the eyesight camera is definitely better than the built-in. You can really hear the difference. Uh, it's kind of the difference between uh, talking in a in an echo chamber versus you know sort of someone maybe standing right next to you. Uh, so you know maybe I should go take the survey. That would increase the results by fifty percent. Uh, but in lieu of more feedback from people, uh, I'm going to stick with what we have. I'm surprised uh, so, that the eyesight is it does so much better than the purpose-built snowball. Uh, well, I think it's, it's a good point, and I think the reason is. Because I am holding the eyesight up to my face. Whereas <laughs> even with the snowball, uh, because it was too big to sort of hold right in front of me, I had it sort of propped up next to me. Gotcha. So it wasn't quite close enough. So yeah, I do think that's that's probably a big part of it in all cases. Uh, so if you do want to influence things, you can go to the website, go to the, it's a SurveyMonkey link, and it's got a couple of... Uh, characters and, and numbers after the URL, after the, excuse me, the, the domain name. So I'm not going to try to say it here, but it'll be in the show notes. So uh, anything else from you? Um, no, well, I think uh, we just can go to the topic at hand. Go to the topic. Okay. So this may be a bit of a stretch in terms of the topics we've done here so far. We'll have to see. The title that I told Wolf to say actually, is from a book also called Limits to Growth. And I'm going to put a link to the Wikipedia article about it in the show notes. But from Wikipedia, uh, it's a 1972 book about the computer modeling of unchecked economic and population growth with finite resource supplies. Uh, Wolf, have you heard of this book? I don't think I have. Okay. And by resource, excuse me, finite resource supplies, uh, they mean the earth. So it's basically a way for them to try to figure out uh, how you know, figure out the data on on what we're doing what the human race is doing to the planet um, I didn't read the original but I've read one of the updates uh, probably the 2004 30 year update book so it's not just a, a old musty historical book they, they are updating it and it is sobering reading if you want to get a high level picture of where the human race is going I, I recommend it but now, how does this relate to our podcast? So I'm going to talk about Apple's growth and how it affects us as developers and probably tied in every so often to the, to the larger topic as well. Now, let's see. Horace Dedu has a post uh, from, I'm not sure exactly how old it is. It's called Back to the Balance Sheet. It will also be in the show notes. 
And both in that post and in some of the earlier posts that he links to from that post, he talks about the correlation between Apple's stock price and its cash value, which is a very unusual correlation. Uh, normally a stock price, uh, at least from what I've, what I've read, and I'm not the expert, no, Horace generally is, the stock price has built into its price an assumption about the growth that's going to be coming up from a company. And what's interesting about Apple is that even though it has been getting fairly crazy growth for a large software company, a large technology company, the uh, what's called the price to earnings ratio. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, you uh, almost sound been, like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's been that's been not only has been lower than virtually any other technology company, but it's getting even lower. It's it's going lower even further because. Again, because of that, that relationship is mostly due to how much cash it has on a hand rather than the growth. And uh, a counterexample that Horace talks about is, is Amazon, where it has a much higher price-to-earnings ratio, uh, even though it's not making anywhere near the kind of growth that Apple is. And uh, so, uh, again, this is just one counterexample. And, okay, so that's one point here. So wait a minute, Another, wait a minute. So the, the ratio, yep. it, you were talking about high and low. So does that – it does – I say Amazon is higher and Apple's lower. I, I guess I don't know what high and low means in the price earnings ratio. Um, well, I can give you numbers. Um, actually, I can't give you numbers. Ah, there we go. But uh, it's usually a multiple, uh, like, you know, just throwing out, like, I've heard numbers like 10, 10 to 20 mm-hmm. being like a healthy ratio mm-hmm. for a company. That, that could be wrong, but it's, it's not like two times. It, it's some amount times and it's usually a relatively high number. Uh, well, not necessarily a high number, but it's 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 a not in the single digits. I so, guess. So, so a higher number means what exactly? Higher number means um, the price of the stock uh, versus uh, the in relation to the the yeah, the earnings that the company is making. Okay. At the moment, and so and it's it's always uh, related to how much they're making at any one time. And you're saying that the the stock price reflects the assumption of future growth. So does that mean that if you are have a high assumption for future growth, you're going to have a higher ratio or a lower ratio? You're going to have a higher ratio. Okay. And what Horace has said is that it's puzzling with Apple's growth that they've got this low ratio. And what does he say? that The idea is that the company is not perceived as having sustainable growth. Uh, now, one thing I did as a bit of a thought experiment, uh, and I did put this on my blog, uh, a post posted today, which is July 7th, called How Long, and the link will be in the show notes, where it's I took information from a website that has iPhone sales numbers, and I continued it. So the sales numbers, of course, go from 2007 to today, to 2012. And I said, well, if that growth continues... Uh, well, in my case, I wanted to find out, well, how long until uh, if Apple were to keep up that growth, they would have sold an iPhone to every man, woman, and child on the planet. And that number, now I, I assumed a growth rate of about 20%, which when you look at the, the growth rate for the last couple of years, Apple's been pretty consistent about being close to that, not exactly that, pretty close. And I so simplifying assumption just 20%, that would be about five years. Now, okay, so 
that's kind of kind of a thought experiment, kind of a, a very abstract way of, of thinking of it. But it, it's certainly a hard limit. We're saying that if Apple uh, keeps that growth rate up, they can't go any more than that. Now, of course, they're actually going to hit that limit much earlier than that, or at least somewhat earlier than that, uh, because they don't have 100% market share. Uh, not every person on the planet is actually going to buy one of these things, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so in the long term, that's kind of what we're up against. But I, isn't the obvious uh, retort to that is that every two years they're buying a new mach- new uh, model? Or maybe, I mean, in poorer countries, I mean, obviously among our geek friends, they're buying a new iPhone every year, but probably the typical is probably two or three years. And so effectively that number is not just one per every man, woman, and child, but also, you know, it might be over the course of a lifetime, 20. Um, yeah, well, right. So, so that is a, a very good point, which is something that I'll be talking about a little bit more later, but that, uh, that these sorts of direct assumptions from very simple logic are often not very realistic in real world situations. So, so yes, the assumptions are quite a bit more simple here than they would need to be to have a, a really accurate model. And that's one sure. case, as you were saying, um, another case is you can't, you can't uh, look at the iPhone alone for Apple's growth because Apple has made a very smart bet by saying, well, we're also going to do the iPad and the iPad is growing, you know, starting from zero and, throwing it up the charts, uh, it's having even more stratospheric growth than the iPhone. Uh, presumably a lot of them being sold to, this, to the same people. So Apple could continue to make um, uh, profit and continue to get, get, get earnings growth from that even after iPhone growth has slowed. And actually I think one of the things Horace says is that the earnings growth, now what I just talked about with the iPhone was 20% growth for iPhone sales. Uh, but Horace talks about... Uh, Apple having a consistent earnings growth of 70%, which is you know much higher. So there must be a lot more going on as part of that. So that's true. The, what I'm thinking of, though, is in terms of uh, new users. And we'll get to why that's important in, in a second. Um, right. I know with that when I'm like modeling iPad numbers, uh, I, I do take it as a, a, a matter of uh, faith that a lot of these people are buying iPads already. Apple people that already have an iPhone or already have a Mac. I, I do see a lot of you know people. Uh, you know they put away their iPad and they pull out a Dell. But uh, typically, I basically am assuming that they have uh, you know a, a MacBook. Right. Well, that, and that's another point is that the the rate of growth for iPhone and iPad is much higher than the rate of growth for Mac. Now, Mac growth is also increasing. Uh, but much more slowly, and that's also going to come in, uh, be an important thing uh, as part of this talk a little later. Um, so, but okay, so, so let's stick with iPhone for a second. And you can say that, let's see, while that number is going to have a hard limit, um, in the short run, you could, in fact, continue that growth for a while now. Uh, one data point in that chart was that you would hit a, a billion users, a billion uh, people being sold on iPhone in the middle of 2014. And while a billion is a lot of people, it's not necessarily a number that's completely out of bounds, right? Um, a lot of people buying phones, Apple doing very well so far in, in executing uh, a strategy where phones are relatively lower in price, uh, compelling features, et cetera, et cetera. So, 
the, the end point of this, this first topic here, first subtopic, is that uh, the stock price doesn't reflect, even, even if you figured that, well, we're going to hit a hard growth and hard women in five years, the next, say, two years, you could have 20% growth and, and Apple could do it. Now, they would have to keep executing as well as they are now, but that's pretty much what they do. You know, they've got Mr. Execution running the company right now. So, uh, so it's, you know, Horace you has actually pretty much said, I don't know if he said it directly in a, in a blog post, that, you know, it is a little puzzling to him why the stock price discounts the, the, the growth. And what I, my point so far is that, that I agree with him that, that yes, they could continue this crazy growth for a little bit while longer. And, um, and uh, the last point having to do with that is that I have, I have more than a personal interest, excuse me, more than an abstract interest, more than an academic interest in this, uh, this idea, this, this thesis. Because, uh, you know, I have some Apple stock myself from, from being a, an employee at Apple. And so there's a bit of that pull of self-interest, you know. So it's in my self-interest to be able to make the case that, you know, Apple stock is undervalued, for example. And this goes to the uh, a quote from Upton Sinclair, as you've probably heard of it, which is, it is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on him not understanding it. And so that we're also going to come back to that in a little bit. So uh, so salary, is it's expandable to include investment for returns? Uh, income, okay. right. Uh, but that being said, in the short run, things do, I think st- things still look kind of ro- rosy. And I think app developers can depend on that to a degree, but then you get to the to the long run, and this idea of steady growth rate uh, isn't just the idea that something is going to increase at the same rate over and over. When you think steady, you think that's what you might think. It's gonna it's gonna be a line, right? But and and maybe maybe everybody knows this already. Maybe this is something I don't need to go into. But for me, it's still you know a bit of a foreign concept that steady growth rate is actually an exponential increase, right? Uh, and and this is you can see this in a, a number sequence that we all know very well, which is binary numbers, right? So uh, what are what, what's the the binary number sequence that most developers know? Well, for all of them, know basically power of two, power of two, right? So one, two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, blah blah blah, and that's very simple. That's one hundred percent growth. So if you look, if you say, okay, we have 100% growth, uh, steady 100% growth for five years, you start with one, by the end of five years, if I'm one, two, four, eight, 16, you've got 16, right? That's, that's a massively larger number than, than one. So the, the point there being that you can quickly run out of room to grow just by doing something which you might think by the way it's phrased is just steady. And the reason this affects developers is how Apple recommends slash enforces that you make your income in its app stores. Um, and in my case, I'm, I'm mostly going to be talking about the iOS app store because that's really where the, the, the crazy growth is. As we said, the Mac app store is not the same uh, level of growth. And you know, a lot of people have been talking about it over the last month or two. Apple doesn't implement upgrades, doesn't implement the ability for users to get upgrade income from existing users. Right. By doing that, Apple is virtually guaranteeing that most app developers will only make money from new customers, uh, never from, from the customers they have already. Okay, uh, now that might be a pretty good deal for the next couple of years. So as I said, you know, the, the growth rate that Apple is 
getting even for iPhones is, is probably sustainable for the next, let's say two years. And so, so developers might be able to, to, to do well with that in a couple of ways. One is they could uh, make their money on their apps and then call it quits. So let's say you have an app that's uh, making a million dollars a year right now. Uh, you know, at the end of that exponential growth curve, maybe they're making 10 million. Well, you know, 10 million is, is a lot of money. They could, they could retire on that. For example, if they sell to 10 million users for 99 cents each, uh, or, you know, just move on to other things. So they might say, well, that might be enough of a strategy for them to get by. Another strategy, which some developers have taken, uh, into consideration is you could make more than one app. So in the same way that, uh, Apple has done several new things, one right after another with the iPod, the iPhone, and the iPad, uh, developers could say, well, I'll just have one app go up the growth charts and make money from all the new users. Then I'll make another app and go through up that same chart, same way. And then we don't have to do upgrade revenue. Another one is, uh, is in-app purchases. And uh, Wolf, do you know of any apps? Are there any apps that you own that have in-app purchases? Oh, I'm sure a lot of the apps that I own have in-app purchases, but I, have, I don't think uh, I've ever purchased a single in-app purchase. So there you go. Right. Well, the one that I got recently was Paper which changed things up a bit by being free, but then charging for the tools. And the thing about that is tools are still probably a finite resource. So you could pretty much say, well, you know, let's say there are five tools or 10 tools, however many, they're a buck each. Well, the most that the developer can get from one user for all those tools is, is 10 bucks now. So I would tend to think of that as being more an adjunct to the app price rather than an ongoing revenue stream. What you really want is, is in-app purchases that they would continue to purchase. Right. Um, so we have a subscription model now, right? Uh, the subscription model for magazines? Is there actually a subscription model for, for apps? I believe there's. you can do an in-app purchase for subscriptions. Uh, like a, like a reoccurring type thing. I'm not not 100 sure. Like I said, I, I I don't tend to buy in-app purchases, or I guess right. I, I actually have never bought an app purchase. So I don't know. Right. Um, I do know that it, if, if I remember correctly, uh, Marco Arment uses in-app purchase for his subscription service. I don't know whether that's something that's actually set up formally as a as a subscription, or it's just something that you buy and then you don't really get anything for it. Um, I thought it was more the latter, but it could be. So, so certainly that is what you want. What you want is subscriptions. And the closest thing, if, if they don't have that, or if, if most people aren't using it yet, the other one that I think would be close to that would be like game credit purchases, right? So that would be something where you could come up with an, an, an ongoing stream of, of new items or just credits for the game that a user might want to get. Uh, but that's really kind of the only one that I can think of, aside from a, an official subscription service, that would be the way to do it. Now, subscription. So subscription in, implies service as opposed to just owning an app. So that's actually an interesting distinction. It, it could work, but it would probably involve you having an app which has like a server component or which has ongoing content that comes down with it. So it's a very interesting idea, and it's not necessarily something I was planning on talking about, but it, but it's a good it's a good idea. Um, so, and then, then the last one, which is maybe the most interesting for me is betting on an indirect correlation, which is something we just talked about earlier, which is the idea that, 
Apple Apple may have more ways to to get income. Well, so for, in Apple's case, it's, Apple may have more ways to make income than just the increasing sales of its products. For developers, it might mean that uh, one implicit assumption I've been making, which is that as Apple's users go up, the number of users for their products go up, that's how your number of clients go up, number of purchasers goes up. And that there's a direct correlation there. Well, what if there isn't a direct correlation? What if uh, certain kinds of apps, maybe all apps, increase uh, regardless of how many new devices are being sold? Now, I don't believe that. Um, certainly there's, uh, um, what do you call it? There's, there's evidence that that's not the case. There's evidence that there is more of a correlation. For example, uh, and again, I'm probably talking about Marco a lot, but he has said that he gets a spike in sales when a new phone comes up, for example. Um, but, but if anybody has details about uh, specific information saying, well, yes, I've been able to do this in, in cases which prove that there isn't a direct correlation, I'd love to hear that. Uh, so, so yeah, so that's okay. So that's the start. Um, now, so what if you said you, you know, apps which have in-app purchase, but you don't use it. Um, I mean, are there any apps that you have where you've paid more money to the developer after buying it initially? Hmm. I, I, I seem to remember simple note had a kind of an interesting history, um, where I think I bought it when it uh, first came out, where it's just like, okay, you buy the app for five bucks or whatever, and then you don't see ads and blah, blah, blah. And I, I, now I see ads. So I know there was some upset there where they've, they've, uh, they want, they probably have an ad free version that they want me to do an ad purchase, but you know. Um, I've been wanting to migrate off Simple Note anyway, so I just haven't ponied up uh, their in-app purchase to turn off the ads. So mm-hmm. something around the, along those lines. Well, that's interesting. Um, and again, the only way that would work under these the assumptions that I've been talking about is if that in-app purchase to turn off the ads was something you had to renew. Because if it, if it was something that was just sort of part of just a one-time thing, again, that wouldn't deal with the fact that you need ongoing revenue to do your development. But again, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I, I get the impression that with you know, as we're getting new users, we're going to have a lot of apps that are in in the great, greater than nine cents ninety nine cents range or whatever. But as the number of new users uh, taper out, the model of you know, sell the app for five dollars ad free, but then later on in a later version, then ads mis- mysteriously appear. I think we're going to see more of that model. <laughs> Mysteriously appear. Well, is is iAd still around? I think it is. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, I understand it's pretty unsuccessful, but um, right. maybe you know Apple just needs this Microsoft version three of it or something. It, they don't seem to be, be dropping it yet. Right. Right. And which is interesting in and of itself. Now, if you do decide to take one of these options, which which involves relying on you know the new users for your revenue, uh, even then there might be some some kinks involved. Uh, some some downsides that I'd like to go over. Uh, so one is that the growth might be coming, growth in new users, uh, which you would be using as the basis for your new customers, might be coming in markets which you're not prepared to support, right? So if you've seen in, in iOS 6, Apple is adding a lot of support for the Chinese market. Uh, Baidu, ba- Badu, whatever whatever it's called. The, the Chinese, uh, like, I think it's, 
social network, something like that. I should really have looked it up before the, the yes, podcast. Yes, it's my understanding. It's kind of like China's Twitter or something like that. Twitter. Okay, yeah. I was thinking Facebook, Twitter, or, or even it, it maybe more Facebook. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Well, now, isn't there one that's like the the uh, Chinese Google? Is that not Baidu? Is that something else? Um, I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. very weak on this. <laughs> right. We don't we don't know. Um, and Apple was adding in support for, uh, or at least in, improving input for Chinese characters, that sort of thing. It really proves to me, or at least indicates to me, that uh, Apple is going hard for the Chinese market. So if, you know, let's say half of the new users of, of the iPhone come from China, well, are you prepared to support them? You know, do you have someone on your support staff, which is, you know, usually for indie developers, like it's just you answering emails. You know, can you read Chinese? Good point. If not, maybe you might, might be in trouble. I mean, just, just uh, keep up with customer support in general is a hard problem. But once you start getting floods of email in languages you don't understand, that that's another problem altogether. It's going to be even worse, right? Well, and that's the other thing is that even if all the, everyone's speaking your language, growth equals costs, right? So, uh, and, you know, getting back up to sort of high level again, like, if, you know, when you talk about empires growing, um, you know, gathering more territory, conquering other countries, just maintaining themselves once they get bigger takes more resources. They need a bigger army to defend themselves. They need more more uh, raw material to fuel their uh, economies. They need more food for their for their the people living in the country. And so, even just maintaining, if if you if you live by growing takes more. And of course, for developers, just as you said, if you get more users, that's going to be, mean more support costs. So you can't say, well, uh, I'll grow by, you know, let's say, you know, taking this very simple, adding 100 users a month and having, you know, those 99 cents from each of those 100 users. And since I'm getting, you know, 99 cents by 100, I'm getting $100 a month. Well, okay, maybe $100 a week, for example. You know, steady income, that's enough. That'll get me by. Well, it won't get you by because you're expending more and more to support all those people. And that's something you have to deal with. So, so what do we do about it? Um, there's a blog post by Will Shipley, uh, noted Mac developer, uh, called The Mac App Store Needs Paid Upgrades. And, you know, so I've talked about upgrades all throughout. Will Shipley sort of lobbies hard for Apple to do it. Now, there's a couple of things about this that are interesting. One, he goes into a lot more detail about numbers. Uh, you should really read that because I've been actually pretty light on numbers for this whole thing. You know, he goes through how you really need extra money from existing users to get by. But the other thing is he's talking about the Mac App Store, not the iOS App Store. So for him, he's factoring in a certain growth rate for Mac users that is much lower. And so that colors his thinking about how to make all this stuff work. He he can't just get new users, even if he wanted to, because the Mac isn't going to be adding them so much. So his assumption there is that the, the solution for it is paid upgrades, that's it, Apple, do it. Now, another uh, input source here, I guess, uh, Marco, it's the third time I'm talking about Marco here, but he had a, on a podcast recently, I was going to say, and Marco has an article, but it's not an article, it's a podcast. He talked about Paid upgrades too, from his perspective as an iOS developer, in uh, episode seventy-seven, called uh, "I Had a Baby, You Launched an App," uh, which also, I guess, both have to do with growth again. But anyway, um, and so Marco talks about how 
he thinks that it's less likely that Apple will do paid upgrades. Now, again, you sort of your your uh, perspective is influenced by where you're getting your money. You know, Marco is has been relying on new users to to pay for his development for a while now, so he's less. You know, he's just taking it a different way in the same way that I said, you know, my perspective as an Apple stock owner affects how I think. But his thinking was it's going to add complexity to the App Store that Apple would like to avoid. Uh, and he made some compelling points. Uh, he talked about how, you know, just keeping track of which apps have, need to be upgraded and and what will happen if, you know, a bug fix is in uh, an upgrade that's paid. Uh, so you will don't want to pay it, but then you don't get the bug upgrade and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so you say, you know, it's getting complicated. Apple isn't going to want to do it. So, so what do we do? So if Apple has lots of reason not to do it, we can't really rely on Apple doing it. And again, that's since what Will is, is kind of saying, well, you know, he's just not even thinking about the alternative, the alternative that can't happen. We've got to get upgrades. What if we don't? And this is really uh going to kind of be my last thing for this, um, for this topic. Uh, and what do you think? Well, do you, would you, um, what do you think would be the best approach? Let's say Apple doesn't do paid upgrades. Uh, what would you do? Um, well, <clears throat> the, the thing with Apple is that with their, um, policy changes is like, we ask for them, but they also it's an unstable environment. So it'd be one thing if Apple laid down the law and said, "and said, hey, we we will never do this," and you know, do your assume the next twenty years you're never going to get upgraded pricing. Well, that's going to change developers' strategy. We're going to do that. What you talked about, which is you know, do serial app creation and maybe turn on ads later type stuff, because that's the only way you can make enough income from year to year. Um. But Unfortunately, you know, Apple has a communication problem, and it's funny how many of our shows kind of, uh, kind of uh, boil down to the point that Apple has a communication problem, and so they're they're not going to come out, and they do have policy changes, so it's not something you can bet on. So um, I think you can pretty much read the tea leaves currently, and you can see that so far they haven't offered upgrade pricing, and. And keep in mind that this is this is not Apple's core business. This is you know they've commoditized app, apps to sell their hardware and lock people into their platform. And so it's not it's you know they they're they're as happy as a pig in slop. They don't need to uh, do much of anything else. I mean the users are happy, developers are happy with the current hardware growth. Now it's another thing is that one maybe once the iPhone platform and iOS starts slowing down, which I don't see happening anytime soon, but if it does slowing down, maybe then they'll come back and revisit this idea of charging up app upgrades. But again, I think Apple would be more concerned with them. They're slowing hardware sales, and they would be helping us with uh, our upgrade revenue. Right. Exactly. Um, A couple of people have talked about how Apple will introduce paid upgrades when it needs it, Right. But then I started thinking, well, will it ever need it? Could it subsidize the development of every app it ever produces just from hardware revenues forever? And the indication is, well, sure, they could. I mean, it's what they've been doing anyway. They, they certainly subsidize, you know, Mac OS X development from hardware, blah, blah, blah. So, so saying, well, they're going to need to do it is, might not work. 
But we, you know, one point of going through the whole thing with the growth was to talk about, yes, that Apple, Apple itself can't rely on growth forever. Although when I was thinking through that, I realized that Apple, is, Apple in fact, already has revenue growth. And again, this is not a big uh, uh, insight. This is, everybody knows this. But, you know, they make money from each month that you have cell phone service. So they're already getting uh, uh, revenue, uh, excuse me, uh, what did I call it? Um, rent. You know, they're already taking rent for, for all the time that they don't need to sell new phones for. They, they stop selling phones right now. They still get a certain amount of money. Of course, it would be less, but but it's something. Right. Uh, I mean, it, it does seem like the lion's share of Apple's revenue is selling you new gizmos, and that has all sorts of positive benefits to Apple and customers. So, yep. uh, yeah, it would be a pretty sad Apple if they're just relying on cell phone. We'd uh, cut off your cell phone bill. Right, but but don't you think? I mean, they have to. Like, eventually, again, they're going to run out of people to sell stuff to, and. You know, is there really another, can they keep coming up with devices that are new that are going to start from zero and go all the way up? Maybe they can. I mean, the yeah, iPad. I think the Apple TV yeah. has a lot of, uh, uh, right, a lot sure. of potential. I mean, they, I could see them launching platform after platform, device after device for a while. And like, yeah, you, you have a MacBook Pro and you have an iPad and you have an iPhone. Now you're going to buy an Apple TV and you're going to buy the next platform too. So, <laughs> and, you know, it's assuming I, I'm more worried about kind of the Tim Cook execution model where I'm kind of worried he's like a spindler type thing where, I mean, he's definitely not, not a spindler. No. Oh, oh, you, I, spindler, like didn't spindler, uh, anyway, go on. Yes, yes, yes. You're talking, you know, uh, was the diesel, um, what, what's this? Right, right. Gotcha. The, the guy after Scully, right? So it's like, yeah, he's definitely not. I mean, no, no, no. Spindler was definitely nothing like Tim Cook. <laughs> Tim Cook is awesome, but Tim Cook is awesome in the Tim Cook way. And so it's an execution thing. Yeah. Oh, no. well, are you thinking yeah. of titles now? I bet you are. <laughs> I'm thinking, yes, yes. Um, so the, the, the one thing, though, that occurs to me, and that's, it's very interesting that it all, again, it comes back to, you know, growth and the, and the limits to growth and the cost of growth. Because if you say, well, you know, every five years we're going to have a new platform. Well, even then, eventually, like, you know, okay, now we have two platforms. And, you know, that's okay. That's pretty easy, right? It's, it's not... It's not the easiest thing in the world to develop an app which works on both platforms or whatever, but you can do it. Okay, now we have three. Uh, okay, well, yeah, a lot of the APIs are the same, but you know, now we've got a remote instead of your fingers and blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's more cost. Well, you know, if they try to keep doing this every five years, eventually you know, their developers will not be able to put out the same sort of apps that they have now if they need to support five platforms for every app they, they send out. Again, they're, they're just costs to relying on growth forever as opposed to relying on something, dare I say it, more sustainable. I will say that probably the, the clearest indicator of Apple's uh, inability to grow is the fact that they're building the crazy new headquarters, the, the flying saucer that's landed thing. Because isn't that the standard curse of all the all the Silicon Valley companies that they build the fancy new headquarters and <laughs> yeah. like in the process of building it, the company creators. Creators, right? I mean, Apple's been doing pretty well during the building of this thing, but it's not. It's not the doors they haven't, haven't started yet. yet. They, haven't, they haven't started yet. I mean, well, it's, it's they, many, many they've years. They've been doing the bureaucracy thing, so. Right, right, right. Uh, no, it's it's true. Actually, who who did that? The Sun did that. Did somebody SGI. else? SGI. Well, um, they did it in the same building. No, I guess maybe they didn't. Yeah, there's, uh, there's like two other examples that don't come to mind, but yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's hope that doesn't happen. 
for for our sake as developers of the platforms anyway. I mean, I think uh, Apple now basically has like the Microsoft style momentum where they can screw up again and again and again, and they they have enough inertia now that uh, they can s- swallow a bunch of big problem, a bunch of big uh, missteps, and we'll as in, as indie developers, we'll still be doing fine for a few years, but uh, eventually, you know, eventually it will catch up with them. But right now, we have the inertia, so it's not going away anytime soon. Right. So I guess uh, my recommendations pretty much boil down to the kinds of stuff you've already said, which is keep in mind that Apple does change its mind a lot, that it isn't communicating with us what it's going to do. And, and then it, you know, it changes stuff without, without shame. I mean, if you saw any of the WWC sessions about ARC, um, what, what struck me was that it was just completely non-apologetic, no, you know, sorry, no, nothing, just, you know, no, you should do this now. All the stuff we were telling you to do, you know, last month, a year ago, you know, no, no, that's all bad. And and they're willing to do that. So, so if they're willing to do that, you should also be willing to to keep an eye out to to keep your options open. I think if you if, if people started to think, and I think some people are thinking, uh, Marco is pretty much thinking this now uh, to a degree, saying, "Well, no, Apple's never going to do it, right? Just, you're just not going to do it." So you know, you you put it out of your mind. Well, then that means that you're not going to be keeping in mind what sort of strategies you could implement uh, in the future. What what things you don't want to uh, lock yourself out of by certain decisions. And yes, that's suitably vague, but, but, uh, you know, let's see. So, you know, there are ways to do paid upgrades now, for example, uh, and people have had a certain amount of bad luck with it. I think, uh, it, it, you know, Will Shipley talks about some of the the downsides of attempting to do that. And basically you need to put out a, a second app that's unrelated to the first, as far as the app store is concerned. Right. And that can be problematic for many reasons. Um, um, people, people might still be buying the, the first app right up until the second app is, is, is released, et cetera. Um, but I would just say, I guess makes my final point here is, as problematic as that is, I think for developers I don't know, like me, I guess, so like I'm not going to be a developer who's going to put together a, a, an app which shows ads you know, a year down the line. I'm not going to put together an app which has lots of in-app purchases to get down the line. I'm not going to write an app which I'll throw away in two years either. Like I want to write an app which does uh, uh, cool stuff and that can be continued to, uh, to, to grow, continue to have more features added to it, continue to, to deepen as it goes. I don't want to have to just throw it out. So those sorts of developers like that, um, I would say, you know, Again, keep in mind what, what your uh, keep in mind what your options are. Well, I think you need to get off your high horse. I mean, you're 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 against these ads because it offends your software artist sensibilities. But yeah. but and, and believe me, I feel your pain. But to me, it's like, do you remember when cable TV first came out? And there and one of the big selling points was that it had no advertising. No advertising, right? Right, and like, of course, you know, this is TV you pay for, but it's okay because you don't get ads, and that's, I mean, uh, you know, our type of uh, little bubble we're in would love that type of stuff. Like, yeah, of course, I'll pay for TV because I don't want to see ads, and well, you know, that's why people buy TiVos, right? And, uh, for other reasons, of course, but, but 
you know, you're the guy who has he wants to have the primetime uh, TV show. Well, maybe not the primetime. Maybe you probably want to have the HBO thing. And but you'd be, you're you offended that you that every 12 minutes or so you're going to have to have that three minute commercial break because that offends your artistic sensibilities. Well, the market has spoken, and the market has said that. I mean, it's crazy, right? Because people are paying hundreds of dollars a month for TV for uh, satellite and cable te- television now, but they're still getting ads. <laughs> Yes. So that that so that that it was obviously a false dichotomy. It wasn't either. It's like you're going to get ads and you're going to pay for it. But um, mm. you know the, uh, the market spoken and users will is, will prefer to have ads than ha- than uh, and potentially lower price than uh, thus paying upfront. And I it's a hard lesson, especially for our little bubble to learn. But that seems to be the lesson. So now tell me, you're telling me that you would not if it made the difference where you could be completely independent. You have an app that you're selling, and if it meant that you could work on the next app or or make your app better, that you wouldn't put an ad in there. Um, I probably couldn't make that uh, blanket statement. I would certainly say that it wouldn't be my first choice. Oh, great. Um, now, so what you're saying is that, and, and it makes sense. The idea being that since Apple doesn't allow paid upgrades and doesn't allow lots of other things that you might want to do that the only way to get ongoing revenue is is under that model. So let's say Apple doesn't change anything and the uh you know let's say the growth slows down that okay yeah that's that's your last option. Your last option is ads. It's kind of your your thinking? Yeah and I would also like to point out that this is such an opportunity lost. Like the thing with like iTunes did with digital music is that it rounded up the hundred million or so people who have a credit card and are willing to use it. And that was one of the big powerful things is, and why the App Store is powerful is because these are people who are actually – and you know the people who buy iPhones are people who are willing to actually spend money on software. Uh, this seems to be much less of a, a – much uh, less prevalent in the Android side of things. And, mm-hmm. and here we – so Apple's tuned into this community of people who are willing to pay money for awesome experiences. And the only thing they're giving developers is that, oh – you're you're going to have to end up putting ads in your apps, and thus thus it seems such a like a backwards decision, or lack of decision. Yeah, well, and the thing that I would um, so so yeah, I mean, I'd be concerned about how it would look in an app. Um, you can't even necessarily add add ads very easily to a lot of apps. Uh, it might actually uh, uh, start a flow of of apps that are are iPad only, simply because you have more room to put an ad in without completely cluttering the interface than than otherwise. But the other concern I would have would be that ads, again, iAds hasn't really worked out that well. Uh, my impression of, you know, I know that, like, for example, Facebook recently in its IPO, its IPO didn't go as well as lots of people would have hoped. And my impression is at least some of that was because people started looking at the numbers in terms of, in terms of their ad revenue, that since they rely entirely on ads, well, can they grow up their, their ad revenue? Can they, can they make enough money from ads to justify a higher Stock price number, going back to the very beginning, what we talked about, you know, growth rates. And I, I'm not sure about this, but I, my impression is, at least in part, people looked at it and said, well, no, you can't because uh, ad uh, rates are even now going down because ads don't really work that well. And so if you said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to replace paying for an app on an ongoing basis or upgrade revenue with uh, ad revenue – I just think it wouldn't work because you just wouldn't get enough money from it. So if you say, oh, I'm going to hitch my ride to that star, it's going to 
<laughs> it's going to fall. And so I'd have more practical concerns in the end. Like, it really, okay, I have to hold my nose and do it to make money, great. But if I hold my nose and do it and then I still crash, uh, that's even worse. Right. And I almost wonder if, like, the, the IS faltering is almost like Apple's uh, auto, uh, autoimmune log- logical response to, you know, it's Apple's not an ad company. And it's like a lot of what they do, in fact, most of what they do is basically, you know, is, is anti-advertising. It's, it's about user experience. There's a reason why I don't have an Intel Core i7 sticker on my MacBook Air. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? <It's>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay, so another upper for a, for a topic, I guess. But, uh, but there <laughs> you go. We're all doomed. We should end, <laughs> end it like that. <laughs> yes. And on that note, so uh, anything else before we wrap up? No, I'm done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So if you want to send us some feedback or see the show notes for this episode or download any other episodes or even sign up for us on iTunes, uh, go to your web browser and type in edgecasesshow.com, all one word. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter, A-P-O-N-T-I-O-U-S. <laughs> Did you just laugh at Wolf. spelling your own name? Because <laughs> well, I'm thinking about our discussion last time around. Okay. Um, <laughs> and also because I do have this sentence like, wait, am I going to spell my name right? But no, I'm spell my name right, and I'm going to spell your name right too. Wrench, rent, R E N T Z S C H. Wow, do you have some sort of Bam. mnemonic there or something? <laughs> A bit. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.